Hello and welcome to The Entrepreneurs on Monocle Radio, the show all about inspiring people, innovative companies and fresh ideas in global business. In today's program, we're heading to Brazil. First, we're in Sao Paulo to hear how its flourishing art market has recovered after years of political turmoil. We felt like we could have in Brazil, we could bring to Brazil that spirit and that Sao Paulo was in a especially good position to host an art fair, a contemporary art fair. Then we'll take a fragrant journey through Brazil's cosmetics heritage and visit a perfumery that's more than 150 years old, but still passionate about innovation. We've become a very giftable brand, I think especially because of our packaging. We have a very big archive that serves as inspiration for all of our designers. And finally, we'll wrap things up with a drink. Saúde! Forget the cachaça, though. We're going to be enjoying some local wine. Brazilian wine is a difficult thing to find. It's getting much better, and, and you see it year by year. Producer by producer, I see more producers coming out as well, and that's lovely because you see more boutique producers. This is The Entrepreneurs, with me, Tom Edwards. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. It's the largest country in South America and one of the BRICS economies. But despite experiencing a commodities field boom more than a decade ago, Brazil has had a spell in the doldrums. The Lava Jato, or Operation Car Wash corruption scandal, sparked a tumultuous period that saw the impeachment of one president and the imprisonment of another, and created a political landscape in which far-right populist Jair Bolsonaro gained prominence and then power. His divisive policies, furious rhetoric and contrarian stance on the environment seriously compromised Brazil's usually sunny soft power image in the eyes of many. And the country's cultural sector was not immune. However, the remarkable comeback of President Luis Inácio Lula da Silva has improved the national image, the economic forecast and also the prospects for the art market. Monocle's David Pleasant reports from Sao Paulo, the de facto capital of finance and contemporary art, to meet the movers and shakers who are keeping the art market ticking. With dozens of commercial galleries occupying lofty spaces all over the city and a large roster of fine art museums, institutes and private collections, Sao Paulo is heaving with a wealth of art. However, notoriously burdensome red tape and recent political instability at home, coupled with the stellar growth of the art market in Asia and the Middle East, has left Brazil somewhat cut off of late. Fernanda Feitosa is probably the most qualified person in Sao Paulo to give me a lowdown. Having founded SP Archie, Latin America's biggest art fair two decades ago, Last year, she launched Rotas Brasileiras, a small affair showcasing artists and galleries from Brazil. Fresh from the buzz of the fair, which took place at the beginning of September, I met Fernanda at her office in Sao Paulo's business-focused Itaim Bibi district. 20 years ago, it all began with, why not? <laughs> yeah. With the simple question, why not? What if and why not? We don't have a fair, an art fair in the contemporary model, mm. like Art Basel, for instance, or at that time, Freeze didn't, didn't exist. exist. No. But Arco and yeah. other art fairs in Europe, for instance. Yeah. Uh, why don't we have a contemporary art fair that can bring together modern galleries and contemporary galleries? 
Sounds like a very nice idea, but how did Fernanda Feitosa actually do it? Is it a question of building a network of interested galleries? Or maybe it was a matter of taking the plunge, adopting a build a fair and they shall come attitude. It was kind of combined, actually, mm. David. I was at that time a beginner in the art mm. market 20 years ago. I was myself, me and my husband, we were kind of beginner collectors. Collectors, yes. Uh, new kids on the block yeah. in our 30s. And uh, we were visitors of the antique art fair. We, we really like it. And we started going to art fairs abroad. And they were like, whoa, mm. <laughs> what a difference. Not the path, what a difference. Art Basel, this is very provocative. This is very stimulating. This is... This is an artist of art that is closer to our age, closer to our generation. Mm. So this is really interesting, this vibrant scene and so on. We felt like we could have in Brazil, we could bring to Brazil that spirit and, in a, and that Sao Paulo was in a especially good position to host an art fair, a contemporary art fair, and I'll tell you why. First, I thought that we have in Sao Paulo a good art scene, a robust art scene. We had the biennial already. Opening just days after SP Archie's Rotas Brasileiras Fair in early September, the Biennale de São Paulo is the second oldest such event in the world after Venice and has a global reputation for the high standard of its operation and participants. And in fact, the entwining of the commercial and cultural faces of contemporary and modern art is something that really stands out in Brazil. Gomiji and co. on Sao Paulo's mighty traffic-choked thoroughfare Avenida Paulista is a commercial gallery that straddles the market between private collectors and museums and domestic and international investors. Thiago Gomide, I'm the founder and director of Gomide and Co. I've been in Sao Paulo a little while now and I'm trying to get a, a feeling for the art scene, uh, where it's going, what kind of moment it's living through. I just want to know how Gomides and Co. fits into that. Where do you see yourselves within this scene? Well, I think we are a gallery that it's neither very big, neither very small, neither very old, neither very new. We are 10 years old and I think we are probably the best gallery, uh, uh, the most well-positioned gallery that works with historic material, more secondary market. We work a lot with states that are most well-positioned internationally oh, okay. because there are a lot of galleries that have similar programs, especially in terms of period. But they are, most of them are local. So these galleries are not really doing international fairs, working with museums outside of Brazil. They're very, very local. I've noticed there's a lot of focus on local collectors with some galleries. You know, there's that kind of market. Yeah, there's important. a very strong local market. But, very strong. But you're, you're and a lot of galleries are only working 100% locally. Yeah. Most of them, actually. Yeah, and that's what I've, I've got the idea that for various reasons, you know, like red tape, all sorts of reasons, that there's a kind of closed market somehow in Brazil. It's quite hard to get kind of beyond that both ways, or for some people. So you're saying you've managed to kind of like cross that and be both present here and 
internationally, simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, this is something we started 10 years ago when we opened the gallery. Yeah. We realized there was this gap that the only galleries that were doing the main fairs and working very actively in the international scenario, there were galleries, uh, very contemporary art galleries, and they were working with that you know, selected group of artists. And uh, we understood that there were a vast amount of artists. There was so much that has already been produced. Is there kind of this constant appeal for Brazilian 20th century art? Or do you feel like that there's, it's sustainable? Like there's just more and more to be discovered and, and that the market is there internationally? Oh, yes. I think it's endless. Uh, <laughs> what, 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 but what happens is that Tastes change. Mm, that's interesting. So uh, 10 years ago, we were mainly showing concrete and neo-concrete art. So geometric abstraction from the 50s and the 60s. Now we are showing a lot of self-taught artists. We are showing a lot of ceramics. We are showing a lot of tapestry. We are showing a lot of paintings. Yeah, the, the our sculptures by the diaspora, the African diaspora you know, a lot of indigenous artists. And, you know, Brazil has it all. You know, it's uh, probably, together with the U.S., the most culturally diverse country in the world. That was Thiago Gomigi of Gomigi & Co., one of Sao Paulo's foremost modern art galleries. And right now you can see their exhibition entitled The Sun's Path. Bringing together approximately 40 artists, the show highlights art narratives linked to the Japanese diaspora in Latin America. Back to Fernanda Feitosa, founder of the SP Archie Fair. I had good artists, I had good intermediaries, and I had good buyers. And I thought, there's a lot of people like me, my age, that would like to have buy more contemporary things, younger things, and go to a more younger art fair. So I came up with this idea of why not. At that time, I, I knew a few galleries. I went to them and said, what if I do an art fair like Basel? And they were like, oh, whoa. No, there was always when you present something, those who are fully committed, where mm -hmm. do I sign? Mm -hmm. At that time, we used checks in Brazil. So mm -hmm. I had one gallery, Silvia Cita said, where do I sign? I'll give you the check right now. I said, no, 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 I'm just doing a research and see if I, I can have a group of galleries. And I thought that if I had a group of galleries of 40 galleries, 50 galleries, we could pull that off. So I, I went out to find a place. Biennial seemed to me as the right place to go. Now we have 170 participants. We started with 40 galleries from yeah. Brazil, one gallery from abroad for 41 galleries, all art galleries. Yeah, and now? And it's... now we have 100 art galleries and 68 design galleries. In 2016, I increased or I diversified the fair mm -hmm. to absorb the design sector. Much like Basel, mm -hmm. instead of having two fairs across the street, I have yeah. two fairs in the same building. People who buy art are usually people who are interested in buying alt, uh, signed design pieces. That was Fernanda Feitosa there speaking about the SPR Chief Fair she founded two decades ago and the ever-growing links between the contemporary and modern art sectors and the collectible design market. Finally, we hear from Marcelo Palotta, dealer of lesser-known Brazilian modernist artists as well as design pieces. 
I spoke to him at his booth at the Hotas Brasileiras Fair. I'm Marcelo Palota from Mapa Gallery, Sao Paulo, Brazil. We have this gallery for eight years now, working between the 50s and the 80s, as we call the Brazilian modernist period. I'm focused more to discover and more exciting to discover new things all around because we have lots of things with not only political works but also for black Brazilian Afro works and Indian Brazilian Afro so yeah. we have so many Art is political it can't you know you can't exactly. deny that it yeah so many things you know and even with the 80s they have this AIDS things and that mix with this pandemic right that we just have so it's, it's it's a lot of things the brazilian art is i have a story that i like to tell all the time is a, a friend of mine france he came here to avoid the military service in france to study economy i said listen very crazy economy here in brazil we are, we are ups and downs all the time I said it's that's why because you know, if I go to the regular country, I didn't know, learn anything. And here, you have this ups and downs. And the ups and downs in the economy reflects the ups and downs in the art and everything else. That was gallerist Marcelo Palota there making the point that despite the ups and downs of Brazil's economy, there are always opportunities to be had in this cultural giant of a country. For Monocle in Sao Paulo, I'm David Pleasant. My thanks to David. You're listening to a special Brazilian edition of The Entrepreneurs. Granado is Brazil's oldest pharmacy. The apothecary first opened its doors back in 1870, founded by a Portuguese entrepreneur, and since then has expanded its operations globally. To tell us more about the brand and what it means to Brazil, I'm delighted to say we're joined now by Monocle's Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Fernando, welcome to The Entrepreneurs, a different environment for our conversation than normal. But tell me a little bit about uh, Granada. Why is this a name people should know about? Well, people should definitely know every single Brazilian grew up with Granada, Tom. As you mentioned, it's Brazil's oldest pharmacy, opened in 1870 in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, you know, they had soaps, they have different remedies, cosmetics, antiseptic talking powder at the time was quite popular as well. But what's interesting about Granada that in the last decade or so, they went a little bit upmarket. So they decided to invest in newer markets and create fragrances as well. So they are investing quite a lot in the perfume market. So they still have, of course, this tradition products that every single Brazilian family have at least one product in their homes. But they have also this kind of exciting products as well. And I think they really want uh, to invest quite a lot in shops outside Brazil, including here in the UK, which is super exciting. Very exciting indeed, Fernando. And I gather you chatted to, well, somebody from Granada. Tell us who, who you met and where. I spoke to Cissy Freeman. She's the daughter of Christopher Freeman, who bought, uh, actually, in 1994 the brand Granado. Christopher is British, so the brand has kind of now a little bit of a British DNA as well. But Cissy, she's half Brazilian and half British, and she's doing exciting things with the brand. So Granado is very well known in Portugal and France, you know, with standalone shops there in those markets. But for the first time, they're having a permanent shop here in the United Kingdom, in London, Soho, where 
where I live. I mean, what a coincidence, right? And if you are in London until November, they also have a quite a, a large pop-up shop in London's Regent Street. So it's quite a big campaign for Granado here, which makes me very happy because it's it's beautiful products. They have a perfume called Carioca. It's fresh. It smells like a sea breeze. And I'm not lying here, Tom. So you chatted to uh, Cece. What else did she have to tell you about? Well, she told me about the products. And one interesting thing that you're going to hear in the conversation is different markets prefer different things as well. So the British market, she's not expecting that they would like the same products that the French or the Brazilians would like. So we will understand a little bit more of those differences here in my chat with Cece, who was in London to open the shop, of course. Granado is a very big heritage brand in Brazil. We have some products like a foot powder, our bar soaps that are very well known by Brazilians and that have been going past from generation to generation. And so a lot of people, when they see Granado, it reminds them of their grandparents or their parents and nowadays even their babies because we are very big there also with a, a baby line. And it's fascinating, although it's a traditional brand, every time I go to another shop, there are new products as well. So I think that's also quite important, perhaps to move the brand forward, right? Yes, we've become a very giftable brand, I think, especially because of our packaging. We have a very big archive that serves as inspiration for all of our designers. And so... Because of that, we've become very giftable and also we explore Brazilian ingredients and the tropical side of Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, and I think it really makes us stand out a little bit. And I think it's what has made people come back and love the brand so much. And Sissy, tell us about the international expansion, especially to the UK, because I know the brand is present in France, in Portugal. But now you have three places in, in London or in the UK where you can buy the products and great places as well, very central. Tell us a bit more about this idea and especially because there is a British connection to the brand. <laughs> well, yes, my father and me as well yeah. were British. He left the UK, I guess, Long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of decades ago, he married my mother that's Brazilian. And in 1994, he ended up acquiring the brand and transforming it into this beautiful story. And so it's also very special to be back in the UK. We were invited last year to Liberty. So we've been there for over a year and it's been great. We've been uh, learning and what the UK consumer loves, what the best sellers are and all of the aspects. And we're very excited to have these three locations, which is Liberty, Regent Street and the Hamyard Hotel. Let's talk about the British customer. Okay. I'm always very curious about that. How different is the British customer to a Brazilian one or even the French one, for example? So one of the things is Brazil is a very hot country. And because of that, Brazilians, they really love fresh fragrances, citrusy, but also woods, especially Brazilian women. They're very well known for using men's fragrances. And so one of the aspects of our perfumery is that all of our fragrances are genderless. We don't really market to men or women. So it's whatever the consumer feels that they love. And I think what we've noticed with the British consumer is a little bit different. We have noticed that, yes, people like some of our fresh scents, especially Jardim Real, which is, you know, the royal garden that is very flowery, but also 
also fresh flowers with orange flower blossom. But at the same time, some of our really stronger fragrances like Bohemia, which is inspired by the Bohemian neighborhood of Rio, which is Lapa, where our original factory used to be, really are huge successes here. Our Oud as well, which in Brazil would be around the third or fourth fragrance here is a, a real big bestseller. And then there's always the Bossa and Carioca, which are two fragrances inspired by the beaches and the vegetation of Rio. And those, I think, are bestsellers all over. So it really depends. But we've really seen that the British consumer is very interested in the ingredients, but also the stronger, more powerful fragrances. And we're here at the Hamyard shop, but I know there's also a new shop in Regent Street. I mean, that's definitely a prime location. What can you tell us about that shop? Well, we're very excited with these two locations. The Regent Street, it's a pop-up. It stays until January. And we're very excited to have a location where we'll be able to receive our consumers, do events, showcase our new launches. We have a lot of things coming up. And especially since this past year, we've learned what the British consumer loves. It's also allowed us to do a couple of brand extensions and line extensions that will be arriving soon. For example, maybe Oud might be having some new things. Who knows? We're very excited with these locations. but. If we'll also be having some news coming soon, hopefully, so. <laughs> I'm already excited as well. And, and of course, you see, we do have some Brazilian listeners as well. What about in, in Brazil? What, what are, how do you see Granado today in Brazil? Because we know Granado is big in mm -hmm. Brazil. Are you optimistic? What can you tell us as well from the Brazilian side of things? Well, on the Brazilian side of things, we're also expanding this concept of the perfumery. And so we now have 90 shops in Brazil. And all of these shops have these fragrances exclusively. So some Brazilians who probably haven't been back to Brazil, this might not be the Granado they remember from 10, 20 years ago. But these products are also all available there. But we do have some new products that are inspired by here that go back and forth. But in Brazil, we also have a, a lot of new things coming up and exciting things. That's amazing. Cici, and finally, just because we're here at the shop, can you tell us one of your favorite products? I know there are many. I know it's difficult, mm -hmm. but perhaps you can take me through that. Well, my all-time favorite is one of our fragrances called Nostalgia. It's very second skin, has a woody note, but it's also very, um, I find it to be, I don't know, very chic. It's not something that empowers, it's very intimate. So I, I, I love it very much. But I think... My spritz myself, actually. <laughs> <laughs> But I think also one of our, our star products, if you're not looking for a gift, because then I think mm -hmm. we have many great options, but I think our diffusers are also very nice because they really do fragrance the room in such a nice way. One of my favorites is Bossa. Uh, I think it reminds me of summer. And I think since the summer here is also coming to an end, I think it's a great way for you to take the summer into the winter and the cold months at home. That was Sissy Freeman, Marketing and Sales Director for Granado. And you can learn more by heading to granado.eu. You're listening to a special Brazil edition of The Entrepreneurs with me, Tom Edwards. Thomas Monier is the founder and managing director of Fazenda, a South American restaurant group with six locations across the UK. 
Its premium Rodithio concept features a continuous tableside service of grilled meats, along with charcuterie, cheeses, seafood and salads, and, yes, plenty of wine. Our Laura Kramer popped by the launch of Fazenda's newest location in London's Bishopsgate to try a few of the delicious meats and hear how Tomás's Brazilian and Argentine roots inspired the flavours of the restaurant. Tomás began by telling Laura how his journey began. Fazenda started with the idea that we wanted to bring here to the UK not a thematic restaurant, not a restaurant that was focusing on, on one theme in any way, shape or form. It was we wanted to bring to the UK the restaurant that we would go to, not the restaurant that is for tourists. So if you go to South America and you land in Sao Paulo, for example, you can go to the place that all the tourists go to, or you would go to the places that, that your friend that lives there would take you to. And that's, that's where it came from. The Eureka moment was when we realized that there wasn't anything that we would be you know, happy going to Mainly where we started, which was in the north. I know London is a different story and, and there's a lot of different things here in London, but, uh, but that's how it all started. It started in the north when we realized that there was nothing up there that, that could really represent what we liked. And it grew. It grew. That idea started evolving and growing and changing just like we did. I always say that businesses always evolve, but actually they evolve with the people that are in the business. So I, as I grew, I started liking different things and looking at things in different ways. And so did the business. And, and that's what I think a good business should always be doing. Now, I, want, I will get to the food in a short yeah. while, but first I want to talk about the wine. Very important mm. because I think I read somewhere you said it's not many places in London where the house wine is a Malbec. You know, coming from Argentina, you have to drink wine. There's no other way. Yeah. I remember, you know, I grew up and maybe the first thing I had for a drink was a beer because I think everybody kind of starts with beer, but right after you started drinking wine because my family drank wine at home all the time and then do that so a wine drinker but the reality is that I think I actually fell in love with wine here in the UK I only realized the power of wine when I was here in the UK and I went to supermarket and looked at the wine alley and it's like oh my god look there's wine from everywhere and all different stuff and that's that was the first time and then obviously when I started opening the restaurants I, I started learning more about it I got educated too and I have started trying lots of wine, so I realized with time that wine is not just something that you drink. Wine is something that actually keeps people together and, and gives people a reason to celebrate. And I always realized that wine was an important factor because for us, it's not just about the food or the drink. For us, Fazenda is an experience. And you cannot have a good experience without great wine, great food and great company. And that's why it all started, you know, the, the key of, of wine was for us. And yes, obviously Malbec is, is a flagship of Argentina, but there's a lot more than that here. You know, we have wines from Chile, we have wines from Uruguay, wines from Brazil. We really focus on South America. We also have wines from the rest of the world because I think that there's people who want specific things and we want to give it to them. But our real goal is to bring South America to life and give people something that they've not tried before. You know, we recently did um, a special on Brazilian wine and it's up and coming. It was very hard to find places that serve it in London. Yeah, yeah Brazilian wine is a difficult thing to find. It's getting better. I, I would not say that is at the level that some other wine countries are producing. Wines are much better, really. But it's getting much better. And, and you see it year by year, producer by producer. I see more producers coming out as well. And that's lovely because you see more boutique producers. For the uninitiated, what can people find when they come to experience Fazanda? 
this is an experience. This is not about having a dish. This is about having the time of your life. We bring to the UK the tradition behind what the Pampas. I don't know what you know what the Pampas is. The Pampas are is a region that is is bigger than a country. So it's the, it's the north part of Argentina or northeast of Argentina and Uruguay and southern Brazil. So it transcends limits, yeah. And that's where the gauchos used to be uh, a long time ago. And gauchos, for those of you who don't know who they are, gauchos are the kind of cowboys of South America. So these guys were out there in the fields with cattle and they, at the end of the day, they'll make a fire in the ground and they'll just grab big pieces of meat, put a wooden skewer through it and cook it next to the fire slowly and with their knives, they'll carve pieces of meat and eat it from this big piece of meat really, yeah? So as you can see already, you can feel an experience here. People around the fire and lots of meat and carving meats. Well, that is the essence of who we are. So. What we wanted to do is bring not just that meat side of it, but everything else that comes with it. So we, we inspire our dishes. We don't, we don't want to bring the things that you can have just a local food. We wanted to put our, our twist into it. So we, we grab dishes, we were inspired by them, by my traditions, from my background, my, my history, and they, we bring a little twist to everything. So you can find here dishes from Brazil, dishes from Uruguay, dishes from Argentina, loads of different food, you know, fish as well, you know, loads of different vegetables and, and things that we reminds of us but the key star here is the meats and we're going to bring you when you sit down in the restaurant we're going to bring you you know 12 different cuts of meat that's going to be served table sides carved at the table um, juicy beef juicy picanha we've got pork we've got lamb we've got chicken everything being brought to your table adding to this overall experience that hopefully will take you in a physical and mental journey to South America as if you were, as I said before, with me eating in a restaurant down there that I took you to, not where, you know, your little trip advisor will tell you to go. That was Fazenda co-founder Thomas Monnier. You can find out more about the brand at fazenda.co.uk. And that's all for this special Brazil edition of The Entrepreneurs. We'll be back at the same time next week. Do look out for some Eureka moments every Friday. The programme was produced by Laura Kramer with mixing and editing by Jack Dewars. You can listen again and find out more at the website monocle.com or follow us and catch up with the archive via your preferred podcast platform. To contact the team, email Laura. She's on lrk at monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye and thanks for listening to The Entrepreneurs.